Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 373. And tonight, Night Vale is back. Woo! We are recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 231, The Terminal. Interestingly enough, they didn't play on that fact that Terminal is kind of a scary thing to name an airport. Yes, I was um, a little surprised. Maybe it was too obvious if I was thinking about it before the episode. Because, you know, they don't ever actually go where I think they're going to go on these episodes. No, it, that's very fair. Um, I guess first off, there was just one weird thing in the intro. Our usual, just regular old Night Vale intro music. There was a weird repeated beat going on with the drum. And we both noticed it happened several times. So it had to have been intentional. But it was kind of, I don't know, it was just odd that they put that in there. It was a little like an electric stutter going on in some of the normal notes, so I'm mm-hmm. not sure if that was just disparition deciding to mess around and try new things, or if it, it hints at something, but we also, um, of course, Cecil does the little intro statement every episode, and the intro statement was the most perfect t-shirt moment. I want them to make a t-shirt of this. I will buy it. It was just Cecil saying, all dogs go to 11. <laughs> Love that. (laughs) So cool. Okay, so everything in Night Vale is now back to normal. The university of what it is is not messing with everyone, and science is no longer outlawed. So basically, the citizens are running around doing science all over the place. Yes, I love that. Peer reviewing every flower. Oh, and also Janet LaBelle isn't quite gone. She's still crushed underneath a cow that was dropped on her, but nobody's wanted to move it out of the way, and Cecil is like, well, we either have that, you know, a big pile of rotting flesh, or we have street cleaners. Ugh, Dr. LaBelle, couldn't you have explained away those things? What's that? That's a deep hole there. Yeah, I almost completely forgot about street cleaning day. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> anyway, almost as bad as Valentine's Day. Gee whiz, wow. So the big news that's happening is that now everything's back to normal. Everybody wants to go on their vacation, and they have opened the Randy Newman Memorial Airport, which I'm like, oh, that's so nice to name it after Randy Newman. It is, yes. Who's not dead, right? No, he is not dead. Okay. <laughs> just, just, he is very old, but yeah. Yeah, just wanted to make sure. So yeah, everything's been open for international travel. But before we get into that, we have a word from our sponsors. And it starts out with, how many ants are there? And it's this, you know, like really pushy, aggressive sort of asking somebody to calculate how many ants there are. And I know that you're really lazy, but you should probably try to overcome that and actually search for things. Too late. Somebody else has done it. It's 20 quadrillion ants on the entire planet. And then just, it's just, you know, you always cut corners. Don't you think you need something to help your condition of not being able to calculate the number of ants? Chaxla drill. It's just, it just gets more and more aggressive. And then it starts reading off these things about these horrible things can happen. He's like, those are the benefits. You don't want to hear about the side effects. <laughs> One of the benefits was apparently stop taking if you can no longer see birds. But, <laughs> but it just finishes it up with Chaxla Drill, you had your chance. Now hold still. <laughs> Just wonderfully, wonderfully aggressive and creepy. I really, you should definitely, if you want to listen, we can't do it justice. You should go and listen to it just for that. Okay, so uh, Cecil comes back with more news. Uh, they're saying to prepare for very long lines, you know, not all the computer systems are up and running. There's certainly, you know, new things to be worked out with the new airport. Also, everybody did not realize that it was opening today. They accidentally put August 8th in their calendar instead of August 1st. So there's nobody at the airport. No, and you have to be ready for all the stuff at the TSA. You've got to remove liquids and gels from your carry-on. 
you've got to get rid of your shoes and any partially chewed meat that you might mm-hmm. have on hand. Um, you could take use of the TSA pre-check. Uh, that will involve getting a computer chip implanted in your skull, which will mean you will no longer be able to do any kind of crime. So you could bring yeah. any weapon on board. It doesn't matter. The government owns you. And I'm like, this is a dangerous thing to be doing in this particular political climate right now. Oh my goodness, I'm telling you. You know, I'm I do remember, you know, when post 9/11 when they were sort of upping a lot of the security stuff and I remember somebody saying that it was going to get to the point where you can only go on the plane if you're naked wearing a little paper apron and I'm just like if it doesn't blow up the plane I think I'm fine with that, but you know, I do I see their point, you yeah, know. Yeah, it's I, like the more safe you are, the more of your freedoms you give up, unfortunately, but some people just like to panic. I know, I know. I just I'm, I wish I could remember the name of a short story I read ages ago where somebody was going through all of this the TSA business and he was just thinking to himself how sad it was that everybody was trying to stop what had already happened by doing the things that they think they should have been doing before. And it's just yeah. like, it is, it is kind of sad and scary and sort of a downer. And maybe we should move on. Yeah. Yes, moving, moving on, moving on. So we get a PSA from the SPCA, and they're pointing out that the temperature is rising and cars get very hot very quickly, and you should never leave your pet in the car because in just five minutes, your car could get stolen by your dog. Yes, your dog, the one named Bandit for crying out loud. <laughs> just, just, just ranting onto this person. We named her Bandit for a reason. I mean, sure, we probably could have communicated her history a little bit better, but we were kind of bowled over the, by the fact that she wanted to adopt a wanted criminal. And it just goes on to this whole, like, Bandit used to run a chop shop in Queens, New York and did time in federal prison and then came out and wanted to start again. But Queens was just too hot, so they moved to a desert town. <laughs> and then, you know, after her crime spree in Nyvale, we had her safely locked up till you showed up. Why would, Why in the world would you want to take this home? She's a bad dog. Bad dog. No. <laughs> that definitely did not go where I thought it was going to go, no, which I'm didn't. glad. Because once they started talking about, you know, leaving your car and you know, leaving your dog in a hot car, I was like, oh, no, no. Yeah, because she'll steal your car. She'll steal it. Your dog. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. <laughs> so um, back to the terminal. Security lines are really, really long. People who have gotten through the security line are still waiting because there's no planes. And you heard some quotes from Archie Lavery, the CEO of the airport, who like, yeah, I totally didn't know that you were supposed to actually book airlines to an airport. I thought having an airport was kind of like getting a bird feeder. And now I want to (laughs) see fan art of like a bird feeder, except it's planes. Yep, 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 yep. That's exactly what I thought. (laughs) Um, so he's charted a bunch of buses to get people where they're going, which is fine if you're going to Vegas, but if you're going to, I don't know, someplace outside of the country, the bus thing might not actually work. So they're going to work on that for a little bit more. Now that it's legal again, we can have the Children's Fun Fact Science Corner. And Cecil is all enthusiastic because we're going to make slime. And the first thing you have to do is wait for your parents to leave the house, which I think is (laughs) great advice for anyone doing science at home, especially if you're underage. But yeah, all Mm. you have to do is take all of the leafy green vegetables from the refrigerator and put them in a big bowl and put the bowl in a dark, moist environment and let it sit for two weeks. And then you'll have slime that you can throw at the wall. Oh boy. Speaking from my vegetable Christmas, 
whisper, yes, that is definitely the way that she makes it. Oh, the number of times I've liquefied vegetables at the crisper. I wish I could just like have the sense to not do that, but it seems like, but I'm being healthy if I have vegetables in the house. Yes, yes, yes. It doesn't help. I always say that, you know, I don't, was it, was it something that you had to like teach yourself was okay to buy the pre-washed, pre-cut salad mixes? Mm-hmm. Like for the longest time, I thought that was like very wasteful. I think it's probably our upbringing, the idea that you would pay for somebody to clean your vegetables for you. But I was like, yeah, but I, if I get the lettuce, I'll probably never wash it myself and it'll go bad. But if it's all chopped up, I'm much more likely to eat it. Except I will still let that stuff go bad. <laughs> I have a thing of shredded carrots in the crisper that's probably just about ready to be pitched into the compost bin yeah yeah same 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 okay so the security line is out the door at the airport and people are shouting and they're rioting and there's this big shadow that is starting to cover the airport because the glow cloud is there trying to get back to college and there are no planes and the glow cloud is upset and everybody is looking up in the sky and chanting all hail all hail and there's tornadoes happening and the ceo of the airport is calling for patience but unfortunately what we have going on now is the weather and then we go to the weather weather. yay it's whack (laughs) i love that yay it was sudden fall by Aaliyah higher and it's all acoustic uh it's just piano and voice and i think maybe harmonica at one point um very jazzy quiet bluesy the type of stuff that you would hear in like a dark quiet bar i suppose yeah it was very ominous single piano notes in the very beginning i was kind of hoping we'd get mostly an instrumental but i thought the singing was good too yeah no it was nice it was very nice all right uh so we come back and cecil is like you know the secret air force base that's on town no not that one i'm talking about the other one the one that obviously used to look like a circuit city but whatever (laughs) yes the one that does the alien autopsies for the tourists but yeah Mm -hmm. they have decided they don't have anything going on right now so they are going to supply a whole bunch of f-18s to the airport to get people where they want to go they each only hold two people and that includes a pilot and they can't actually provide any pilots but they can provide instruction manuals <laughs> cecil's talking about how it's so great they're doing barrel rolls and loop-de-loos and spins i have no idea if they're doing any of those things on purpose but i'm sure it'll be fine so yeah hopefully everyone's going to get back to where they're going the uh, secret air force base says they've got to have those planes back by saturday because they've got something really cool happening we can't tell you what it is okay we'll tell you we're going to make spain the 51st state <laughs> And that was that was pretty much it. Cecil Mm -hmm. did not say if he and Carlos are going anywhere. I kind of hope they have a staycation, considering Mm -hmm. what exactly the experience is going to be like for the two terrified people in every F eighteen overnightville right now. Yeah, well, that wouldn't work for them anyway because they've got Esteban as well. So I'm sure they'll get some kind of backup vacation plans. That's fine. But but you know that airlines will allow you to have a child in your lap and not charge you for an extra ticket. Oh, that's true. Boy, I could see. I guess Carlos would probably drive because Carlos is a scientist. He's more likely to be able to figure out how an F-18 works. Probably, yes. At least that's what everyone will assume. Mm -hmm. But that's it for Night Vale. That was fun having him back after a month hiatus. So moving right on, apparently you watched the first episode of the second season of Good Omens. Yes, it is still cute. I watched it too. Yay! Yay! Oh my God, John Hamm playing Gabriel is 
I can just see the producers wanting a pitch meeting and saying, or, hey, give me what you got. And Neil Gaiman says, John Hamm naked. And they're like, go for it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> what you need. Yeah, it's fine. Like he's literally walking down a street at one point and he's holding a box in front of him. But we get full John Hamm butt shot. It's great. <laughs> it's glorious. And Aziraphale and Crowley are just still adorable even when they're fighting, especially when they're fighting. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's just, oh, yes. And, and, and Crowley, David Tennant has to do the I was wrong, you were right dance. And it's just so adorable. It is so cute. And we do actually get to see the very first moment, I guess, when they meet, I suppose. Though it's funny because Aziraphale introduced himself in the very first season to Crowley. And so when somebody said, oh yeah, we get to see in this season when they first meet, I'm like, but he introduced himself. I think the idea is, is that Crowley either didn't remember Aziraphale or pretended to not remember him. Maybe it's kind of like spelling out this idea that he's like, Aziraphale always cared more than Crowley did. But I don't know, maybe, maybe Crowley was pretending it all the time. But the important thing is, we got to see Crowley for the first time as an angel. Yes, and he was apparently the angel that created the cosmos and he was very very proud until Aziraphale told him all of that stuff is only scheduled to be around for 6,000 years and then it's going to be pitched and I kind of thought that the reason why they had to introduce themselves in the beginning of the first season was because so much water had gone under the bridge. I mean, Crowley went from being the angel who created the cosmos to being a demon completely on the other side. And yeah, he's, he's totally different when you see him in the beginning of the second season. He's so enthusiastic. Is And there was a really cute moment, like right at the end of their scene, there were meteorites that were going by in the sky. They'd kind of been looking at it and Crowley's upset when he hears that everything's going to be gone in like 6,000 years and meteorites go by and they're kind of going in their area and you see Crowley put his wing over Aziraphale, which mirrors Aziraphale putting his wing over Crowley in the beginning of the first season. And it's just, it's so cute. (laughs) I love that Neil Gaiman has absolutely confirmed that we're not making this up. This isn't fan service. There is a relationship between those two. I mean, he was even arguing with people on Twitter about it, about people who thought that someone was just trying to read in things that didn't happen. And Neil Gaiman's like, "Uh, I was there. I wrote it. It's totally a a thing. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So the other story that's going on is really, I'm very curious to see where they're taking this one. So you have the young woman who is running the record store, which of course they, we, we talked about in another episode at the Good Omens After Dark experience, they did have have a little record store that you could sort of page through and find the little freebies. And now I understand why they had that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Totally on purpose. But it's really cute because she's totally behind on the rent. But Aziraphale, who is her landlord, does not care because she's the one who's basically getting him the records that he loves to listen to. So she's just... He, he gets this one. She said, you, you can't take that in payment for rent. That's like $12. He said something like, oh, it's $12.39 or whatever. You know, it's just, it's really, really, really cute. But she obviously has a thing for the woman who was running the coffee shop across the street, which is called Give Me Coffee or Give Me Death, which is another thing you could see at the Good Omens After Dark <laughs> Experience. And yeah, but the woman running the coffee shop seems... I'm very blunt with her, I don't know, to a point where she's just like a, a bit abrasive, I think. And I think she might be in a bad relationship, but I'm not sure. But I don't know. It's just, 
I, I, I need to I need to see fairly soon the reason why she is being such a twit because she really is kind of being a twit. Yeah, I think they indicated that the relationship that she's in right now is possibly a bit toxic because they the two of them accidentally got locked in the coffee shop when Crowley threw a tantrum and set off this electrical storm which tripped all the security features and then turned off the power so they're stuck inside and the coffee shop owner is just complaining about the fact that her partner complains if she doesn't text like every hour or maybe every half hour I don't know and she's late Mm. and she's supposed to be at home and then when Crowley walks by again and they have this hand-lettered sign that they've been holding up to try to flag somebody down and he's like oh my bad and he clicks his fingers and everything goes back power comes on locks come up the phones start working again and then you start seeing this superimposed image of text they're kind of like pictured as sort of scrawls on notebook paper and it's like a bunch of really angry where are you why aren't you answering you know how much i worry and it's just like piling on top one on top of the other so yeah i think that's going to be an interesting story as well yeah yeah i can't wait to see how that wraps up so then the other story of course is going on is that gabriel and both heaven and hell are aware that he's missing and they're kind of handling it in different ways but crowley gets dragged down into hell temporarily uh by beelzebub Mm -hmm. who is played by a different actor and they do kind of lampshade that a little bit i thought that's what that was (laughs) yes yes, he says something like what's happened to your face she's like what this whole thing i've had this for a while whatever um yeah they're offering him his place back in hell if he can find gabriel first and they're saying that heaven has already said that anybody who is hiding gabriel something very bad is going to happen to them they're going to be the i think it's called the ultimate sanction or something like that which is sort of a bogeyman that the demon would tell each other to scare themselves. But what it means is if somebody gets caught by heaven and they get the sanction applied to them, they'll be wiped out of existence forever, past and future. They won't have ever existed before. So now Crowley is done throwing his tantrum because he knows he needs to go back to help Aziraphale. And they try to cast like a joint tiny miracle to hide Gabriel from anyone who might be looking. Because if they cast it at the same time, little tiny miracle it won't trip off any of the alarms. It'll just cancel each other out, very quiet, fine, they do it, it's perfectly okay, nobody notices. And then you go back up to heaven and the lights are blaring and the big siren and yeah, there's this giant globe of the earth showing where everything is and this huge plume of pink smoke, I think, I guess combining the white and the red from uh, the two of them. So yeah, I think they're in trouble. Yeah, I think they are too. They know exactly. I mean, they're like doing this little thing where they're kind of doing like the pinch and zoom into the globe and everything and it goes right down on Aziraphale's bookstore. So yeah, heaven is a that he's hiding something. So now we get to see what happens. And also John Hamm still has no idea who the hell he is. They're calling him Jim. Jim. is fun. Yeah, that is cute. Yes, yes. And that's it. That was the end of the first episode with them being like, Aziraphale's in trouble. Boom. And there we go. I really liked at the very end of that episode, the music they did was the same music as the intro, which they've redone the intro. It's the exact same style as the first season, but it's a completely different series of animations. So I'm sure they've probably got all like little Easter eggs buried into it like they did for the first season. But um, at the very end of this episode, it's the same song, but it's all done with voices. And it sounds really, really good. Oh, 
okay, I don't know that I paid enough attention to that. I should probably go back and listen to that. I have a bad habit of cutting off the uh, the credits or the uh, the final music. Yeah, I actually had to scramble for it because you know how they do like a few minutes or not even a few minutes, a few seconds before they autoplay the next episode. I had to scramble for the little hide button on Amazon because I'm like, no, 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 I want to listen to this song. So <laughs> it's, really, it's worth your time. Uh, the other thing that I watched was I watched the first episode of season three of The Mandalorian. Ooh. Oh, and it's still, it's cute. I mean, all of the Mandalorian and Grogu stuff you want to throw at me, I'm absolutely okay with that. I'm starting to think it would be worth it to at least watch uh, the last couple of episodes of The Book of Boba Fett, just so that yeah. you can catch up on that, like starting with the one where you know, the Mandalorian makes his appearance, which right. honestly felt like the writers saying, uh, nobody's really buying into this Boba stuff. Let's just do another Mandalorian season. How about? Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah. But there's also a bit with a droid going haywire that they managed to make very intimidating looking, like like a, a, a droid that shouldn't be moving, but is, and it's coming after you, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I always love that. So, some nice little callbacks to various things. Um, it's going to be a standard quest storyline I think you know the Mandalorian has a quest but first he's got to go get this thing but in order to get this thing he has to go get the part that will allow him to fix the other things so we can go to that place so I think it's going to be I think it's going to be fun yeah it's fun I like that speaking of Star Wars news I finally finished watching all of Andor I think ah, uh, and you recommend I do I do it's uh, it is interesting that it took me a while to watch. So I, I do feel it's really compelling. Sometimes I would just find a stopping place and just not come back to it for a while. Sometimes it got really heavy and I would just have to pause it for a little bit. I'm like, I'm going to go watch some YouTube. But I, it is incredibly well filmed. Uh, there are definitely effects, but they're not going crazy with the CGI. I feel like they're using just as much CGI as they can get away with. A lot of the effects seem to be practical. It's beautiful. The acting is really good. The story is very interesting. And what I learned after reading the IMDb trivia, bless you, IMDb trivia, was that the showrunners deliberately made this. They did not want to do fan service in this one, and they they didn't do any fan service. There are no like cheeky little side references to Darth Vader. There are no like little glimpses of R two D two and C three PO in the background. There's no talking about moisture farms on Tatooine and everything. This is a very self contained story. It's going to lead into more of the Star Wars history, but it is amazing how much more grounded it makes it feel. I mean, there isn't anything silly about this. I think it's funny. My friend Wade said something like he had heard that. Every blockbuster has to have at least three laugh-out-loud moments. Hmm. And people don't really do that anymore. And I don't know that I can think of any moments in this that are really funny. It's not meant to be a funny show. And I, I, I really enjoyed it. It did take me a while to watch it. But yeah, I think it's worth it. Just for the fact that it's like... It's so grounded. It really is very grounded. And anybody who gets irritated at the whole Marvel engine and all that kind of stuff, eh, that's not on display here. This is not your typical Marvel thing. Okay. I do need to watch that because that was pretty much most of what the book of Boba Fett was, was shout outs and fan service and, oh, isn't yeah. this cool? And who remember this? And, oh, let's have another de-aged Mark Hamill. I don't know why they keep doing that. I don't want to see these characters dragged out of retirement and thrust into a speaking role again. It's just, we've got all of these planets 
in the Star Wars universe. And for most of Star Wars, it's acting like the entire population is just set on one city on the planet, and that's all you see. There's so much to show. There's so much to tell. Let's just do that. Yeah, and that's kind of what they do in Andor, too. It takes place in several different places. I think it's interesting. One thing that happens, they have jumped back and forth in time with this character, but there's this one bit where something happens. He's on this planet, and there's this altercation. It's fairly late on. There's this altercation with these guards, and something happens, and I'm like, oh, wait, have we gone, like, way back in time? Does this, like, explain what he was doing? No. Okay, it's not, in case you're wondering, it's not a time jump, but it happens so abruptly that I, I don't know, I felt a little disjointed at one point. I'm like, oh, okay, all this just happened, you know, and you're like... I thought it was trying to explain how the character became the way he was. It's not. It is completely progressing. So in case you get to that point, they are going to go to a new planet. It is very interesting. It's another bit of world building that they do. It's great. But it is not It's not a flashback. It is actually progressing forward in time, just so that you know. Okay. Yeah, I remember when Rogue One came out, which, spoilers, everybody dies. But and mm. there were people that were focusing on the fact that the main character had a cyber crystal on her, which had some kind of like, or was it Kyber? crystal, something like that? I think so. The one that makes lightsabers? Yeah, yeah. And there was some kind of connection to the Force or something like that. And there were so many people grasping at the idea that that was somehow going to make Force ghosts of them and we'd be able to see them again in the future. Uh, I I have no idea. Uh, I would think that would be pretty bad if they did that. (laughs) Probably. That and we never have seen that you needed an outside element in order to make a Force ghost before. It's just something that happened if you were a Jedi, but I think people right. were saying it's like, this is the loophole that will allow non-Jedis to have a Force ghost. I suppose. So there's a Ray series coming up. You heard about that. Did you hear about that? No. It's going to be a Ray television series? Uh, yeah, I don't with, with, with I the believe, same, same actress? I believe so, but I saw some reference about blah, 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 and maybe this will give Adam Driver a chance to come back. I'm like, oh, don't do that, you guys. Don't, please. Don't do that. Well, please. please don't do that. that last scene where, like, he, she healed him, and then he healed her, and then he died, and I was just like, oh, thank God. I did not want that scene to go on any longer with them, like, back and forth, bringing each other back from the dead. Just stop. God, yeah, exactly. It's like the, the Winchesters in Supernatural all over again. I'm like, oh, my God, would you guys stop? Please. <laughs> Well, going on from dark to even darker, I finally read the last issue of Saga before the hiatus. Woof. Yeah, right? Spoilers. Spoiler warning, because you had mentioned in your review that we lose somebody in this. And Mm -hmm. I was sitting there trying to figure out who would hurt the most and who would cause the most collateral damage, because you know that's where the author will go to. And by God, he did it. Because the person who gets killed off, again, great big spoilers, is Sophie. She gets killed by accident when... um, uh, what's her name comes to oh oh shoot it's the woman with the the horns who's actually trying to revenge um for the um prince Damn robot it, sir robot sir prince robot yes she's actually trying to avenge his death and she wants to kill the will so she manages to come in i can't remember what her name is she has a different name now um yeah, she she manages to vorp into the area to kill him, misses him, and Sophie jumps in between her and the uh, killing shot and everything. And it's like a poison that has absolutely no antidote. And, and she dies. And I'm like, and that's it. If there was one person who might could have survived 
when anyone else got killed, like the Will or Gwen or God, Lion Cat, any one mm-hmm. of them could have been killed. Sophie might have been the one that could have kept the other two from losing their minds. And now yeah. that she's gone, oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be so bad because both she was Gwen's apprentice, I guess. And of course, she was very attached to the will and he was attached because he saved her from the sex slave area. Um, and of course, Lion Cat, you know, was very close to her as well. And she was like a good person, you know, all this other stuff that's going on. And Sophie was a good person. So, of course, she was the one who died. And this whole thing really got kicked off when the Will decided he was going to kill Prince Robot as revenge for killing his ex-girlfriend, who he wasn't even with anymore, and had been like... And you got to wonder, would he have even cared about her at all if she had survived? Or was it like her dying that like made him decide, oh, I'm going to avenge her, and now it's all going to happen again? And it was what you yep. said in the review, that the theme is that revenge never helps. It usually makes things worse. And once you start, you can't ever stop. And now he's just, yep. just cycling on over and over and over again. <sighs> it's going to be so ugly. I just, I really hadn't thought he was going to go in that direction. But, you know, I should have... Brian K. Vaughn, he always kills the person that you don't think he's going to kill. And I'm like, oh. And then, so that means, who do we think he's going to kill next? A major character will die eventually. He always does that. I have been leaning towards Alana, you know, the mom. Maybe. I mean, that would be a whole new story for Hazel um, because she's always been, like, sheltered by somebody and her setting out on her own or maybe with um, with Squire. I don't know. I don't know. Because, I mean, she's going, Alana's going to die eventually. I mean, I think that seems fairly clear that, you know, Hazel's not going to have parents after a while might be more of a gut punch if you wait because this is like the second quote-unquote half of the story mm-hmm. right so, yeah. I mean, we are so he could just wait until like you know you read all of why the last man right i read up to a certain point and then read the last graphic novel because you were right. so upset with him with how he did that I was so angry he killed somebody important and waited until like this wasn't the last issue. It was like the second to last issue because the last issue was basically a stupid epilogue or whatever. But yeah, he could just wait up until the second to last, last issue. I don't know. It's Brian K. Vaughn. He's going to rip our hearts out. Why does he do this? Why do we do this? Why do we keep reading this? Oh my God. I don't know. Because it's so good and the art is so good. It it really (laughs) is. But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week, so make sure to check out PixLadyGeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries, and eventually the videos. I I do have a video of the AI in entertainment press junket that we went to that that was very well attended and had a lot of interesting stuff about voice actors fighting for their rights against AI, and I still haven't finished editing it, so I'll get that up eventually. Um, We do have a lot of photo galleries up if you want to see some fun cosplay photos. Very nice costumes. All that and more, pixelatedgeek.com. So we still won't have War Olympus next week. Should we, Should we like, maybe, maybe, like, do the fast pass on that final episode next week? Do we want to try to keep waiting? I mean, we've got, like, 97 weeks until we have another free episode. Oh, not 97 weeks. Oh, God, not 97 oh, weeks. Oh, sorry, 97, 97 days. days. Oh, my sorry, God. God. Oh, dear Lord. Two years. Oh, <laughs> God. 
God. It's like me shopping for a, a backpack again. <laughs> how, how many how many cubic feet did you need that backpack? Well, sure, I've got an apartment in the back somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that, that may happen or we may not because we're specific. But one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. Cecil starts out by saying that everything is back to normal. Um, we don't have the university of what it is messing. Hang on, there's a car. Hang on. Wow. Car or motorcycle one. And somebody playing the music really loud. Okay. I'll start that again. John Hamm. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. Who plays Michael. Just. And you got to imagine someone was like, ask- actually back up, back up, back up, back up. He actually plays Gabriel. Oh, sorry. That's right. Sorry. Let me try that again. Yeah.